0: Jerry Prokopovich at East Carolina University with Civil War Talk Radio. We always try to have guests on this show who have added to our collective store of knowledge and understanding about the past. Our guest today is no exception, but unlike many of us who study history for a living, today's guest spends his days making historic decisions as well as writing about them. Frank Williams is the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Rhode Island, the author of Judging Lincoln, a collection of essays, and a member of the Abraham Lincoln Bicentennial Commission. We'll be right back with the Honorable Frank Williams. Computers to improve fuel efficiency and reduce emissions. Check. Acoustic and optical wayside monitors to enhance safety. Check. Robotic systems to measure track geometry. Check. GPS tracking and tracing systems. Check. Sounds like a rocket or a jet getting ready for takeoff, doesn't it? Actually, it's something just as technologically advanced. A freight train. There's a new world of technology riding the rails that makes today's freight railroads more fuel efficient, safer, and cleaner running than ever. With wireless communications, transponders, and trackside readers that can pinpoint a shipment's location at speeds of up to 80 miles an hour, North America's freight railroads are driving the technology required by today's businesses and consumers and with everything from apples to computers moving by rail we wouldn't have it any other way chances are the things you'll use tomorrow are taking the train today tomorrow arriving by train sponsored by north america's freight railroads mission critical Two words that describe the data vital to every e-commerce website. If your company needs the services of an unparalleled colocation facility, you need to remember these two words: Castle Access. With Castle Access, your internet servers will be secure in environmentally controlled data centers that offer high-speed managed internet access and the highest standards of twenty-four-seven customer support. For more info, visit castleaccess.com. Castle Access. We keep you online all the time. World Talk Radio, bringing the world to you. This is Jerry Prokopovich at East Carolina University with Civil War Talk Radio. Today we're talking with the Chief Justice of the State of Rhode Island, Frank Williams. Frank, how are you doing today? Good day, Jerry. It's uh, good to hear from you on this special
1: day, the day Lincoln died 140 years ago.
0: That's right. It's uh, Traditionally on, on the show, we try to sort of hide what day it is because we're going to leave these shows up on the archive and people might listen right. any time of the year. But today is an anniversary of great importance, April 15th. Right, right. And uh, we should
1: take a moment to pause about the great loss and the reflection of our culture of the time and unfortunately uh, today where there is still so much violence and I think um, I think remembering uh, Abraham Lincoln
0: and uh, his contributions is most appropriate. Well, I would certainly think that's true. Now, you are involved heavily in ways to remember Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I mentioned a few uh, at the, the head of the show here. One of them is the Abraham Lincoln Bicentennial Commission. Can you yes.
1: tell us a little bit about that? Well, th- about two years ago, the Congress, uh, through a uh, resolution, joint resolution, uh, created This uh, United States Abraham Lincoln Bicentennial Commission with 15 commissioners I happen to be one uh, of the 15 and the whole mission was to begin planning and hopefully executing and implementing the events and uh, commemoration of Lincoln's 200th birthday on February 12 2009 We've been meeting three or four times a year since then. In fact, we're meeting on the eve of the uh, dedication of the new Abraham Lincoln Presidential Museum in Springfield, Illinois, uh, on the, um, the 18th of April to go over uh, our um, mission. We did submit a, uh, an operational plan, with suggestions to the Congress in June of uh, last year, 2004. Now I think our, our job is to uh, disseminate the ideas uh, to the states, many of whom, uh, like Rhode Island, have created their own Abraham Lincoln Bicentennial Commissions, and to seek funding for the award of grants uh, to implement what we're, what we're proposing. Does the commission itself have funding to, to give grants to other institutions? We have some funding, and, and the policy hasn't been uh, decided on whether to use that or more monies that Congress might appropriate. These are tough fiscal times, as we know. My my own uh, view as a commissioner is that we will be seeking uh, contributions or grants to the commission from other sources other than uh, Congress. Congress has been very generous about uh, giving us the operational monies that we need, but I think we need to look elsewhere for the funding to uh, implement uh,
0: the the scheduled events. So then if the commission does get the kind of funding they're looking for through donations or through through government, then you would look for worthy programs to redistribute that money, or you would... Exactly right, exactly right. This
1: would be, uh, as you know, Jerry, we have a, first of all, we already have a sponsorship program where if you're going to do a conference at East Carolina, uh, you can seek an endorsement of that from the commission. And when you endorse it, you use our logo and indicate that we have endorsed this. Uh, And we've done that with a few projects already. Uh, We're now we're now at the stage where we need the fundraising um, to uh, help you or anyone else that may uh, suggest a worthwhile uh, project, whether it's for education or publication or media presentation, uh, we we would consider that.
0: Imagine that uh, Congress, in in a fit of unparalleled generosity, just said, you know, this is such a good plan We're going to give you guys uh, $25 million to put on programs around the country. What would you like to see done?
1: Well, I'd like to get into the schools, first of all. I think reaching our young people at the earliest possible level to talk about the Lincoln legacy is absolutely critical. And... uh, and right through college, as a matter of fact. And you would do this in, I think, a number of ways, Jerry. You would do it through teachers' institutes, through uh, revision of curricula, of having symposia and conferences at the college level, uh, at uh, delivering uh, the message about Lincoln. And, and I don't mean in in, in any hagiographic sense. That is, St. Lincoln, I'm talking about Lincoln as a man now with the challenges and problems he faced, his, his um, relationship and views on race, uh, emancipation, uh, taking up, for example, um, or other examples, the revisionist view that some have that the Emancipation Proclamation didn't free anyone uh, or the DeLorenzo approach, uh, uh, a person with whom you've debated in North and South magazine, as I recall, over such things as whether or not Lincoln's actions, um, or oh, he could have taken actions or no action to prevent civil war. I think all of this needs to be, needs to be discussed uh, with, with our young people as well as an adult audience, and that's going to take some doing.
0: There, there are that certainly is. Uh, while we're talking about today, April fifteenth, it happens uh, locally to be History Day, and uh, I spent the morning looking at some exhibits put on by junior high and high school students, uh, some of which are quite impressive. But programs like that are suffering in part because of the the political climate that is focusing on the testing of students. And the result is that if a state mandates tests in a given area, the schools pour all their energy into it. If they don't, uh, because they're not going to be held accountable in in other areas, schools feel they can't afford to spend any time. What I'm saying is that because there's no test in social studies or history on a statewide basis uh, in some states, those schools are reducing their coverage of history and social studies to focus on where they are being tested, English and math, maybe science the thus the the well-meant attempt to test students is, is taking their focus away from everything that's not tested right and, and history unfortunately is one of those areas right well I, I guess you
1: know to cut the Gordian knot, we need to get to those who decide what will be tested and you know how we think you and I think uh, that that um it's important that that our students know our history absolutely uh, and And certainly the middle period, the Lincoln years, the Civil War years are absolutely vital and critical for that. And and I'm not just saying that as a Lincoln student, which I've been since the age of 11. I'm saying that because of something very real that we're confronting right now, which is the so-called war on terror and its effect on civil liberties, if any, or what the balance will be. Between security at home and civil liberty, which civil liberties, which which are the same kinds of issues that were faced by Abraham Lincoln uh, at the beginning of and during the Civil War.
0: That and that I, is, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm going to say that is an extremely important topic. Right. I want to hold off on that just for a minute because I want to spend maybe a whole section talking with you about that very important topic. But let me touch on something. You said you've been interested in Lincoln since you were 11, and uh, we've been talking about young people. What got you interested in the subject? Well, I was in public
1: school in in a, a small city in Rhode Island, and sixth grade. And you remember how we were uh, seated? Alphabetically, right, and my last name began, <laughs> begins with W, and I was in the last row in the, in the last seat, and I was under this formidable portrait of Lincoln, and was fascinated with his face. And uh, Mrs. Taylor, my teacher, knew I had this interest in American history, and she directed me, and I began reading everything I could about him, about Lincoln not disappointed and when I was in fact started to spend my lunch money 25 cents a day in those days on used Lincoln books and when I was 13 I wanted to be a lawyer because you you get to know how good a lawyer Lincoln was and that's that's what really uh started me on on this path and and uh I haven't let up even with periods of college and the army and um Law school and the
0: practice of law—it's only intensified, as you know. That's right. So you did—you went on to law school. You practiced practiced law for a number of years. Yes. Uh, I, I followed the same path for a while. I practiced law, but I went straight. I decided to earn an honest living. Uh, well, you earn. know my—you know my—my uh, my accountant when I was a lawyer said that uh,
1: that I'm really a frustrated history teacher who sold out for filthy lucre. <laughs> by staying in the law, but and there may be some truth to that. Um, I I love the law, as you know, mm-hmm. but I love teaching too, and I'm I'm doing some of that um, at the at the college level at the U.S. Naval War College in Newport, and and at the Roger Williams University School of Law. So um, you should know, you and your listeners, that as Chief Justice here in Rhode Island, I've created a curriculum from K through 12 for. Um, our judiciary or the law, and we send out teams of of lawyers and um, judges to tell young people what the third branch of government does. And uh, I, I think that's the kind of thing we we need to be thinking about doing for the bicentennial. Uh,
0: now, I asked, uh, I spoke not long ago to Larry Daniels, uh, author of the uh, recent book on the Army of the Cumberland, who was a, a full time minister. And I was curious how he could minister to a very large congregation, uh, an extremely demanding job, and still have time to write history. You are responsible for the judicial branch of an entire state. You also produce these curriculum uh, materials and other things. Uh, how do you organize your time to find time to write about Lincoln? Uh, with great difficulty.
1: It was a lot better um with a lot more time when I was a superior court judge, a trial judge, and when I was practicing law. But my my task as chief justice is almost uh, 24-7. So I really have to try to carve some time out uh, early in the morning for writing. And when I give talks on Lincoln, as you know, Jerry, they're usually one-night stands with my leaving in the afternoon and giving it that evening somewhere in our country and then back the next morning I've once flown to Seattle Washington one day and gave a talk to the Tacoma Bar Association on Lincoln's birthday that night and returned to Rhode Island the next morning so um that's all I've been able to do I have some deadlines that we all have in in writing uh, uh, Edna Green Medford and Harold Holzer and I are finishing up a book for louisiana state university press on the emancipation proclamation three views uh... that's due in. A, my revisions are due in a couple of weeks so it's 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 um... being under a
0: lot of pressure it certainly sounds like and i appreciate you taking time to talk with us today you mentioned lincoln's birthday where do you find yourself spending lincoln's birthday most years
1: well on the road giving talks or at a conference sometimes here in rhode island or, or elsewhere. It's really a high holy day, as you know, despite President's Day, which doesn't tell me much about honoring our presidents. So I'm, I'm usually giving a, a talk uh, the 11th, uh, the night before, or the 12th. This, this past February, many of us were at the White House, you know, for that presentation of Lincoln Seen and Heard by Sam Waddiston and Harold Holzer. And back the next day uh, for um, a talk
0: here in Rhode Island. That's right. That was, was a wonderful event, and I'm never reluctant to remind the listeners I got to go to the White House too. Uh, right. Right. Saw you well, what about what about uh,
1: Jerry? When uh, I thought it was the president, but I've heard it was Mrs. Bush that opened the Lincoln bedroom. That was spectacular. And I've, you know, I'm 64 years old, and I've never been to the Lincoln Bedroom, which your listeners should know was really his cabinet room, not not where he slept. It's a bedroom now for visiting uh, people. But um, it was uh, awesome to see uh, the, you, you know, the fireplace and the portrait of Andrew Jackson that you would see in uh, Carpenter's um, uh, print or portrait of Lincoln and the Emancipation Proclamation with him and all of his cabinet members
0: around the table, and it was just great to be uh, to be there. It really was. It was a marvelous experience. Uh, all of us who were there were certainly grateful to, to Mrs. Bush for, uh, if indeed she was the one who, who said the guests could, in fact, go up to the Lincoln bedroom, because that's in the family's private quarters. Correct. And guests' Correct. family don't go And up uh, you, just a very generous
1: spirit that she had, and, and I think the President, too, in doing this.
0: Well, it was, it was certainly good to see history being presented in the White House. Uh, there, there's obviously those of us who study it would would argue that there's a great deal to be learned from history, and it doesn't uh, it, it does a lot of good for decision makers to be aware of the past, to use analogies, to uh, look for for comparable uh, issues in the past. Well,
1: and I think that's true,
0: whether you agree with this president
1: uh, or not. I think the fact that He's being exposed to this whole culture of leadership that Lincoln had. I think can do nothing but help.
0: Well, I, I think I would agree. Whether one does agree or not, and certainly right. there are some strong right. issues, strong opinions on both sides. Correct. But I, I think no one would argue it's a bad idea for anyone to uh, to know what Lincoln was doing. Well, we're going to talk specifically about uh, that issue you raised earlier. Uh, draw some comparisons between Lincoln's. Uh, difficult decisions on civil liberties and some of the things that are going on in the 21st century. Our guest today is Frank Williams, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Rhode Island and a Lincoln author. We'll be back in a few moments with Frank Williams on Civil War Talk Radio.